you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 18. My message this morning is under construction and uh, built to last. How many know what Jesus is doing? He's doing it so that it will last. God does everything so that it will endure, so that it will last. God's not a temporary God. He's an eternal God. And God's trying to do an eternal work in our lives. And He's building us and preparing us for eternity. God's plan for your life and for my life is more than just our lifespan. He has an eternal plan. Ephesians 3 says that Jesus came according to the eternal purpose that God had. That God purposed this and He has an eternal plan. That's what we're brought into. So His goal is that we would last, be built, and that we would be built to last the full way. Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 is asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter says in verse uh, Matthew 16, 16, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he changed his name from Simon to Peter, called him Peter Petros, defined as the rock. And so some did, the Catholic church said, okay, Peter is the rock, he is the foundation, the church is built upon the apostle Peter, and all that stuff. That isn't what Jesus said. Jesus said, the revelation, the rock, the foundation, that I am the son of the living God, that's what the church will be built upon. The foundation, the rock, is that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the declaration. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not the church of Peter. Are you with me? Jesus died. Peter was crucified. Peter was a disciple. He went on. He lived his life, gave his life for the Lord, gave his life for the gospel. But Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And he said he is building his church. There's one thing that he is doing in the earth, and that is building his church. There are a lot of things done in the name of Jesus. In fact, Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? And Jesus said, I will say to them, depart from me. I didn't know you. And they go, but wait a minute. We cast out devils. We healed the sick. We, we, we did all these amazing miracles. We prophesied. We did all this stuff in your name. I said in first service, I could go out and flatten all your tires in the name of Dwayne. You wouldn't probably like me for that. <laughs> I could go out and put $50 on your windshield in the name of Dwayne. You'd probably really like me for that. <laughs> Amen. But Dwayne didn't empower me to do any of that in his name. I mean, know what I'm saying? And so people have done what Jesus said. People do a lot of things in my name, but that doesn't mean it is my church. That doesn't mean it is my will. And Jesus said, only those who do the will of the Father. Are you with me? And so it's important that we understand what it means when he said he would build his church. One other scripture, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and while you're turning there, I'll begin to read in verse 10. Paul writes, according to the grace which was given to me as a wise master builder. Paul says, I am a wise master builder. And Jesus said he was building his church. So Paul says, that's what I'm doing. I am a builder. I'm building the church 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when he writes, you find the epistle to the church at Corinth, to the church at Rome, to the church at Ephesus, to the church in this house, to the church at that house. But it is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the church, it is the people that God is putting together and shaping into his church, into the body of Christ. Can you agree? And so he says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul there reaffirms what I said. Not, the foundation is not Peter. The foundation is the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? He is to cry. Verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, with silver, with precious stones, with wood, with hay and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will declare because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it was. So if I'm building according to the Lord, there's a day coming when we all stand before Christ and we give an account for the works done in this body and so and how we live for Christ, whether we were building his church, whether we partnered with him, or whether we were building our own designs and our own plan. If it's his, it will endure. It will be precious gold, wood, and, and silver, and all that. Amen? It will endure. But if it's wood, hay, and stubble, all those works are just going to be burned up. I don't, know about, I don't want to get to heaven and turn into a bonfire. Look at that, dude. Poof. I mean, no, that's going to be a sad day. People... Amen? Because everybody thinks it's amazing when you talk to people. Everybody thinks they're doing great things in the name of and for. But there's going to come a day when it's going to get proved how that was. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. Father, I thank you in these next few moments. Lord, I thank you for what you desire to speak into our hearts and our lives for this season that you have us in. We are excited, Father, that you are leading us out so that you can bring us in. So today we give you praise and glory. Holy Spirit, help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive what you desire to say to the church. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So look at the cover of your outline. We are under construction. Wow. Under construction. Jesus made his purpose clear through the declaration that he would build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. The one he would build. He said, I'm building my church. Everybody say, my church. He didn't say he was building your church. He didn't say he was building man's idea of the church. Jesus says, I am building my church. Amen. If you wanted to build a home and you hired a contractor and he came over and said, you know what? We have a home. These are our plans. And so I want you to build my house. And that person is under contract to build your house according to your plans. Amen. Now, if the contractor decided to relocate your bathroom to where your kitchen should be and your kitchen to where the, 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 the master bedroom would be and this to be there and then said, hey, I just fixed your house for you. It was a nice plan you had, but this has a much better flow. How many would appreciate that? Could I see a hand, please? No, Margaret says no. Okay, I thought she was saying yes. I was going to lay hands on her real quick. Amen. <laughs> so watch this. So Jesus said he is building his church. He only, he's only building one church. He is building his church. Not our thoughts, our ideas of it. And his declaration de contains a divine promise. 
He's declared as a divine architect. He has a divine plan. And he's going to make divine provision for the church that he is building. I'm a little bit ahead of myself in this context. But what God is asking you to do, Jesus says, I want to build my church. And I just want to know who wants to work with me. I've already declared I'm going to to, to build it. I already have the resource provided in heaven. And if I can get people to agree to build with me, I will release the resource of heaven through your life to build my church in the earth. Amen. And so when you agree with God, He releases His resource through our life. But like Sean was saying in the offering, for you and I, how many know faith without works is dead? And giving for us is that greatest, it's one of the, 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 the greatest parts of, of, of worship that we have. It's an intimate part of our worship, but it is action on our part. And believing God, I believe you're going to work through me, and I'm connected to what you're building, and I'm working, I'm investing in what you're building in the earth. Jesus is doing one thing in the earth. He is building His church. And if we're going to be in the will of God, we must be connected to what He is doing. Tim did a great job yesterday with the devotion with the men because he went to Mark chapter 8 where, <coughs> excuse me, where Peter has just been on the Mount of Transfiguration with, uh, with the Lord. And he's all excited, man, I just saw Jesus revealed in all of His glory. And he's thinking about building temples up there and everything else. And then he comes down. When they get down the mountain, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to be delivered in the hands of sinners. I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to die. I'm going to raise on the third day. But see, according to Peter, he just got the revelation. Jesus, you're the Messiah. I've seen your transfigured glory. And he's thinking, man, this, God's going to restore the kingdom. He has his design of what the Messiah is going to do. And in his mind, Messiahs don't die. Are you with me? So he turns to Jesus and says, not so, Lord. Not so. When Jesus declares he's going to die, not so, Lord. And then, as Tim said, the Lord rebuked him and said, Get behind me, Satan, because you are not minding the things of men, uh, things of God, but the things of men. Or in other words, you're not listening to my plan. I've designed this thing out. I am the divine architect. This is the divine plan. It's going to be built my way, not according to your perception. As Steve brought up, Steve goes all about perception. And so, yes, it's not according to our perspective, it's according to God's plan. He said, I will build. The statement means to be a house builder, to construct, or to confirm. Acts 7, verse 49, God says, What house will you build for me, seeing that heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool? Go with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 14. When it comes to building, there's a cost to be considered. If you're going to build, then there's a cost to be considered. As the church, we're considering uh, where would we go? And so what are we going to do? We know that, that initially there's an investment that needs to be made. And so we have to count the cost. And so you begin to look at all that. And Jesus is talking about discipleship, but he uses the illustration of building a building. Look what it says. Verse 28. For which of you, Luke 14, verse 28. Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it or not? Whether he has laid the foundation, lest after he has laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man begin to build and was not able to finish. 
And so by not counting the cost, by not knowing what the investment is in going into that, there's a cost when it comes to building. Are you with me this morning? So important to understand that. And that must be addressed before you begin if you want to finish. So what do you do? You have to ask all the questions. You have to do the math. You have to get the info and get counsel. What's How many of you have ever... What, what, there's a couple shows on. One is... Uh, 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 Flip it or lose it or, or what's it called? Flip or flop, yeah, flip or flop. And, and I, I just, I can't imagine how those guys make money. It has to be TV drama because they make the stupidest decision I've ever seen. Every, every, every house they buy has a major catastrophe in it. And they go, oh, how did we not see this? How do we not know all the plumbing is cast iron and would have to be replaced? How do we not know that, that, that the wiring is still on insulators running through the attic? How do we not know this panel won't work? How do we not know the roof is completely dry rotted? How do, oh my goodness. It makes good TV, but it makes stupid business. And I love Chip and Joanna again. They have a great show. But on every one of their shows, there's the call. <laughs> oh no, I, I don't, I hate making these calls. Uh, the furnace is out. It's going to be another $7,000. I'm like, how did you not know that? Who did the home inspection? They're wonderful. But, but, but what I'm saying is, is that's reality TV. That's not life. And I'm thinking, you're, you're on TV, and I'm looking at, you're on here as great designer, great builder. You're looking really stupid right now. Are we doing all right? We have to make the call. Every show, there's a call. This tree, we have to replace the roof, the whole furnace, dry rod everywhere. The whole electrical panel has to be, and it's usually around seven to $9,000. Somewhere right in there. And the people go, oh, I know we're already over budget. And the people are going, okay, what are you going to do? You're in. And so Jesus is saying, you want to count the cost before you begin to build. So what do you have to do? Ask the question. Do the math. Get the info. Get the counsel. Can I get amen this morning? Amen. So think about it. We must know that when Jesus builds his church, that people are the only ingredient that he uses. I thank God for building, but the church is not a building. You're the church, and you're the only thing Jesus is using to build His church. When He comes back, the next two weeks, starting next Sunday, I'm going to do a two-part series on the rapture. And so I'm doing that. And with that, because Jesus is building His church, and my thing, people say, well, I don't know if I believe in the rapture. My invitation is you stay and let me know how it goes. Amen. <laughs> and so with this, <laughs> so, so with this, but He's building His church, and the purpose He's building His church, the church is also called the bride, and when the bride is ready, Jesus is coming back for His bride, and we're going to a marriage reception in heaven. Could I get an amen? And so with that, and so Jesus is building, but the only thing He's taking, every building here that has the name church, every ministry that's connected to church, everything here is staying on terra firma. The only thing going to heaven is the people that have been built into the church. Somebody ought to shout amen. So what? Glory to God, Margaret. We didn't get, get a governor on you. Amen. Now watch this. So, so what are the people? The people are the resource. They are the tools. They are the craftsmen. They are the product. And they are the finished building. You are what he has been. When Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, he was talking about you. But see, the church is a construction zone. 
This is a construction job. I, I, my, my trade is in construction. I'm a journeyman cement finisher. I work in construction. I understand construction. But construction zones have a whole different atmosphere to them than, than just r- regular areas. It's always exciting to see someone break ground. How many go by some and you see somebody paving or doing something, they start breaking ground? We got a thing in the mail. They're going to be building on, across the, the, the street from Walgreens there from... Uh, uh, Forney Road back down to the freeway, those houses, everything on, on the, the east side of the road. They're, they have a, a, a plan that came out for development over there. And pretty soon they're going to be breaking ground. Everybody's going, what are they building here? I wonder what it's going to be. What's it going to turn out like? But see, you can't help but wonder, what's it going to be? What's it going to look like? This all sparks an interest and an excitement. But see, when God breaks ground in the heart of a man, an interest is sparked in heaven when somebody gets saved. Because you are the only resource God has for building His kingdom. You're here today and you don't know the Lord. You give your life to Christ. God's going to break some new ground. Amen. He's going to begin brand new construction in your life. What does that mean? That means raw material will be formed and fashioned, fit and placed into divine purpose. It is yet to be revealed what it will be, usually not what you think it will be. Amen. When God breaks ground, we think, and for all of our life, everybody thinks you like to assign different things to different people. People like to assign something to themselves. God said, that was one thing that was in here on change. It says this in our area. It says, uh, uh, God may have to touch the very thing, that, that very thing to get your attention. Talking about Jacob. Jacob's limp served as a lifelong reminder that he was no longer to trust in his own power, but in the power of God. It was no longer, he was no longer to live in his own strength, but in God's strength. And in doing so, he became a much stronger person. Think about it. Every time Jacob got into a mess, his first response was to turn tail and run. Does that sound like a familiar pattern? Do you do that? So God finally said, I know how to take care of that. I'll put a limp in his walk. And for the rest of his life, Jacob had to stand and face his problems head on and not in his own strength, but in God's strength. How about you? What is the one thing you'd most like to change in your life? Do you want God to help you? He will in his own way. Amen? And many times it's when he touches that thing that we think we ought to be doing this or doing it this way. And then God changes it in our life. And so God sees you and it's not yet revealed what he's going to make out of you. I love going back when we go back to Pennsylvania and other places or you go back in some of our older homes. Because today we have a lot of journeymen but we don't have many craftsmen. And to go back and look, and people can learn how to do the work, but they don't have that craftsman skill. You go back and look at homes that were built before power tools, before the, and you go, my God, and you marvel at the craftsmanship. And you think, how did they see that lumber, and how did they know how to make that happen? It's just amazing to behold, to see that craftsmanship. And when God looks at you, when a person gets saved, he sees that raw material, and heaven gets excited because, hey, something raw, something fresh is about to be shaped and fashioned in to the church that God is building. Amen? So what does it take to build? Think about it. What does it take to build? It takes resources. It takes plans. It takes materials. It takes tools. It takes workers. And then it also takes finances. 
we're going to build just, it, it takes all of that. Well, the amazing thing is, is God says, you and I are all of that. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, and this is what it's going to be. The plans, I have the plan, but the people are going to be the materials, the people are going to be the tools, the people are going to be the workers, and the people are going to provide the finances. How you been? How would you like that? Somebody walked up to you, hey, I'm going to build a house, and you're going to pay for it. How many of you raise your hand? Okay. No, we go, what? Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and it's going to flow through you. The resources are going to come through you. But wait a minute. What he does is that that's where you miss it. And maybe I need to go back and teach it. But when Jesus said the 5,000, he says, you give me what you have and I will mix it with mine. I will mix it into the resource of heaven. I will bless it and multiply it and I will give it back into your hands in multiplied form. And what you gave me wasn't enough to do the job. But what I multiplied back to you was more than enough to do the job and left you with an abundance left over. Glory to God. But I have to believe that He wants to use me. See, I can build alone, but I can build better with the team. All of us, we can build alone, but you can build better with the team. A lot of people say, I'm going to build my own house. I'll be my own self-contractor. Amen? I'll be an owner-builder. That's cool if you know what you're doing. If you don't, you just ask for trouble. And you'll be getting the call. You'll be getting the stupid call. Amen. But see what happens today. That's the way people approach Christianity. We're a DIY culture. Do it yourself. And many people are doing their Christianity their self. Just doing it all for myself. I don't want to be built in the church. I'm just doing Christianity for myself. I'm a self-contractor when it comes to my faith. I take care of myself. I disciple myself. I teach myself. I mentor myself. I lead myself. And I'm, everything I'm building is for myself. Amen. And I'm claiming I have a blessed life. Well, there's a fire sale coming. And what we build is going to go, what we did with our life, Paul said, is going to go through the fire. Could I get an amen this morning? Come on, we want to avoid the smoke in heaven. Amen? You don't, you don't want to turn into a bonfire. So watch it. The owner builder. Or you can build a team. We all face that challenge of being together with the team. It's not easy to work together. It's always easier to work alone. But the minute you work alone, you just cap yourself. At your potential. You're not going to produce anymore. Jesus didn't work alone. We don't work alone. Nobody accomplishes anything. Well, I'm going to work alone. I'm going to do this all myself. Well, who made that two by four? Who made that? You, you, there's no such thing as working alone. Somebody else provided the resource, the materials, made the tools, made the stuff. Somewhere you're always connected to other people. Amen? So, so learning how to do that and come together makes it better. Jesus built a team before he began to build his ministry. And if we learn that, it takes us further. Know this, that every tool is important, small or large. Every tool is important. Every time Sue says, hey, we need to do this, I think, awesome. Because I get to go to Home Depot. And that means I might get to buy a new tool. Whether I need it or not. But I can justify it with the project you just asked me to do. 
Amen. She goes to the Galleria. I go to Home Depot. Amen. Know this. Every piece of material is important. From the smallest nails and screws to the biggest beams in the building. Let me ask you, what's the most important thing in this building? What's the most important part of the structure? Huh? Right now, the thing your derriere is sitting on. Amen. A chair. Amen. But what? So people, in first service, somebody said, you know, the foundation. Somebody else said the bathroom. Those are important. A couple weeks ago, those backed up. How many know we found out how important they are? Amen. It just took a little bit anyway. Moving right along. I'm glad that's not there anymore. Amen. So what's the most important? And many times, importance comes down to my personal likes and dislikes. Many times when it comes to build the church, people go, I had one lady call one time, asked about our church, and the first question, she didn't ask what we believed in, she wanted to know how big our platform was. This was years ago. I said, why do you want to know how big our platform was? Oh, because I like to do dramas. I said, we, our platform is so small, you can barely put one person on it. We just have this, it just wouldn't work. Because she wasn't concerned about that. She wanted to do her thing. Will, will I be? A, and so we get into our own personal. And so we want, well, is there going to be this? Is there going to be stuff for the things I am interested in? When we begin to build, am I, what about the stuff I'm interested in? Will there be a space for the things I like to do and what I want to do? That's DIY Christianity. That's doing church for yourself. That's not building the kingdom. Could I get an amen even if you don't like what I just said? <laughs> So watch it. But every piece of material is important from the smallest nail to the screws, the biggest beam in the building. Without the nails and the screws, nothing would stay put. You need to make sure that you're connect, what you're connected to stays put. To stay put refers to to hold up, to brace, to support, to reinforce, to bridge the gap, to hang on. When it comes to ministry, when it comes to working together, we need to know, will you be a brace in our life? Will you be a support? If we lean on you in this structure, in this building called the church, will you hold us up? People say, well, I don't want to be a brace. I want to be something more significant. And many times we think we deserve a better position other than, wait a minute, Jesus is building the building. I've never been into Home Depot and bought lumber and then brought it home and measured out and got ready to cut and the board said, no, cut me right there. No, cut me there. No, use me for this. Use me for something else. I would freak out, first of all. <laughs> Amen. Now, see, I, I'm sure that behind this wall, behind the sheetrock, behind the plaster, behind the paint, and, and, and tied in with the inside, everything behind there, there are some two-by-fours behind that framing right there that are saying in their heart, I would have looked better on the prayer wall than those boards. I should have been used for decoration. I can't believe they have me hidden behind a wall. Covered, plastered over. Nobody can even see me in here. What makes them so special? They're on the wall. Yeah. Amen. What's the most important piece in the building? What would be the most valuable? Every piece. Every piece. Amen. 
The nails that hold everything. There's little finished nails in there. There's screws in there. there there's little screws on the outside to hang the, the prayer things on or doing that. The guys on the bottom are feeling kind of neglected over here. How come they all have tags? I don't have a tag. Is anybody getting this this morning? Amen. You said, Pastor, what are you preaching on? How to stay saved and still be in church. (laughs) Amen. So let me ask you this this morning. What does it take to hang a door? What does it take to hang a door? John 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. What does a door do? A door provides an entrance. It's a way. It's a divider. It's a protector. We feel secure behind the doors of our house. We lock our door. We're behind the door. We're we're divided off from what's outside. We're protected. It's a way out. It's an access point. All those type of things. But what does it take to hang a door? And what's the most important part? What's the most important part of the door? The hinge or the door? Huh? Yeah? Kind of like that old thing they say, who's the most important person in the marriage? The guy says, well, I'm the head. And the woman says, well, I'm the neck that turns the head. The guy says, I'm the door. The woman says, I'm the hinge you swing upon, honey. <laughs> Amen. So, what does it take? To, what's the most important? The hinge or the door? Well, you can have the hinge or the door, but without those little screws that are being put in right there, neither the hinge or the door is going to function. So I think the screws are more significant than the hinge of the door. Because you could have a beautiful door. You could have beautiful hinges. You could have the most elaborate hardware and the best looking handle and everything else. But the door is not going to function without... Six times three is 18. Without 18 screws that nobody ever notices or pays any attention to. Holding six in the... Or, or nine in the wall and nine in the door. Holding that there so the hinges will operate. And very few people walk into your house and see your new front door or, or see your, your, a, a door that you have, a, a glass pantry door, go, oh man, what beautiful hinges. Could you open that up? I'd just like to marvel at those screws. I, I, just, I'm, I'm just, I just really appreciate seeing the fasteners, the things that hold everything together. Amen. Now get it like this. You know what Jesus said? He that is least... In the kingdom of God is greatest. Amen? And so, under construction, what happens when we're under construction? So, you have to understand the process that goes with it. The hinges or the door, the jam or the framing, the trim or the handle. What about the plan? Without it, there would be no need for the door. What about the carpenter? Amen. Cecil, come over and help me. I said, Cecil, I, I, I knew we, we need to put new doors in our house, and I just want to get the blanks and change the doors out and do all that stuff. He goes, that's the hardest way to do it. I said, no, let's do it. And it worked out perfectly. We were able to, we just had to trim the bottoms a little bit, and we, and we chained the hinges over, and he helped me with all that stuff, and they all fit. It was a miracle of God. He goes, that's what he said. I said, this is a miracle. I've never hung this seven door and had them all fit without having to jack the frame, do this all stuff, because your house shifts, everything shifts over time. Amen. And so it all worked out good, but I'm glad he knew what he was doing. Amen. (laughs) Helped out a great deal. Praise the Lord. So think about it. 
The carpenter is important, the person with the experience. It's not by chance that Jesus was the son of a carpenter here on earth. It's not by chance that he said he was built. He's building something, God. You are the resource. You are the material. The most exciting thing that could ever happen is when you let yourself become a resource in the hands of God to be a part of what he's building in the earth. Amen? So exciting. So where does God get his supplies and when does he hang, and when he wants to hang a door? Where does the Lord go when he wants to hang a door? Where does he get his supplies? When he says, my church needs another door. My church. You know, pe- people come to church and they go, hey, does your church have this ministry or that ministry? And when we walk into church, we want a lot of things in the church. We want, we, do we have this ministry? And we say, yes, we are building it. And you look like good resource to make it happen. We are building a great children's ministry. All we need is some raw material. Come on in. We will put you on a lathe. We will fashion you. We'll cut you up. We'll fashion you into a great children's worker. So that we will have a great children's ministry. But it will come out of the resource, out of the material. Amen? And so we want those things. We just don't want to be the material used to build them. Praise the Lord. But the Lord says we're the only resource that He has. So the world... <coughs> has its lumberyard, is his lumberyard or his forest depending upon the condition of the material. So when the Lord sees humanity, when God looks out at El Dorado County, you know what he sees? He sees a pile of logs. The Lord sees every person as they're stacked in that log pile. He says, that's somebody I can fashion into purpose in my church. When I got out of high school, the summer I got out of high school, I worked at a lumber mill on, uh, out by Weaverville out there on Highway 299 between Redding and Eureka in a little lumber mill up there by Hoopa. And uh, in, in, in that mill, they have sawyers. And when those logs are all through, the sawyer can look at those logs and he can go, hey, there is... So many 4x4s, that one's just right. We could get, get a 4x12, a, a, a we could get a 6x12 beam out of there. We could get so many 6x6s, 8x8s. We could get this one, just some 2x4s out of here, 2x6, so many 2x6. And it's amazing, they can look at that log and they know how to run that log through those saws and how to diagram those blades. So they cut that log into just the exact, to, to the least amount of ways. And, and the bark goes off, the sides go off, and then they get in there and the, and the flats come down, they, 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 those slabs come through, and then this other guy lines it up and they cut all these things. I go, man, that is awesome. They had such a trained eye, they could see the raw potential in those logs. Now, I didn't have that kind of an eye, so my job was the green chain. You don't know what the green chain is. That means after all the lumber's cut into all the specific pieces, it rolls out on this conveyor belt, and you stand at a stack, and you're wheeling lumber out on that stack. So my skill at that point was my back. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? Without me. So who was more important? The guy who could read the log or the guy stacking the lumber? Without the guy at the end of the line, the lumber's just going to pile up and be a mess. Are you with me? And so you make your pile. Then the guy driving the forklift. My job, I wanted to get from the stack to the forklift. That's where you pull up, pick up the stack and go, good job and drive away. That looked like a better job. Amen. <laughs> hey, so watch this. 
It didn't work that well. I actually lost my job because there was a jam. I, they, they put me, they gave me a little raise. They put me into the drop. The drop area was that as they're cutting these areas like here, the, and then all the trim pieces, you're supposed to catch the trim pieces, and, and you hit a lever, and it goes down, and, and the trims go down into this thing on another conveyor belt and goes out to a chipper and stuff. And so it got, to, it got jammed. And this was, I wasn't always straight when I went to work. And so it got jammed. <laughs> This, this is BC, okay, before Christ. And so I'm down in there, and, 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 and I jammed it, and so I crawl in underneath, and while I'm crawling underneath, I hit the thing, and I knock myself out with my own machine, amen. So I got demoted. I got put back out on the green chain, amen. Hallelujah. I don't know what that is, but maybe that'll help some of you because you've hit yourself in the head several times. But I made it here, so there's still hope for you. Yeah. Amen. So where does God get to supply? See, in the lumber yard, you can go and, and get things that are already uh, uh, um, fixed up. Man, they're already cut. They're there, and, and they're ready for use, but they're still not what they should be. They're ready to be worked on, and they're there. But in the forest, you can only get raw material, and God has need for both, for the raw material and the finished material. See, someone has to, though, has to get the material and to transport it to the job site. That takes trucks. It takes ropes, racks, tie down. It takes a driver. It takes a ladder. It takes a supplier. It takes a lot just to hang a door. Just to hang a door takes a lot. Jesus said, I want to build my church. I want to encourage you today. God is building his church in the earth. And if you can hear this this morning, that we are a church, the church is always under construction and under reconstruction. And if we can just buy into it and believe God, that it also takes a lot to build a church. But the church is a building in progress. The church is always going to look like this. We think, oh, is it when, when the Lord sees the church, as there it is, it, but, but say, okay, it's ready for sheetrock, it's ready for electrical, it's got a little bit of plumbing, it's got some electrical in there, okay, cool. But the church of the Lord is always going to be under construction. Uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, and the Lord was adding to the church daily. The Lord was adding to the church daily. Such as should be saved. So raw material is coming in and the church is expanding. They're framing some new area. I found this picture. I put it up because it just looked like a cool place. I said, man, look at that place. It's got that little stairs that go up. There's a loft bedroom up there. They got a window looking out. They got that cool arch window over the kitchen. They got that little peak little gabled area there over the kitchen then the counter's going to come around they got the vent for the stove range hood already and stuff and they got that giant grape room they're going to have an island there's a little bit of plumbing sticking up right there so man that's a cool house amen but that the church will always be under construction and you're in there, and, and they're still adding things to do. And so when the Lord sees the church, until the day that He comes back and the rapture takes place, and the church is complete at that day, we will get our final inspection. But until then, we are always under construction. People are looking for a finished church that will never be finished. And people looking for a finished church will never be satisfied. The church is forever growing and expanding. The church will not receive its final inspection until the moment before we go to heaven. Amen. Lord's going to say, okay, it's done. That's it. Let's go. So until then, we are under construction. Everybody say under construction. That's just where we live, under construction. 
And so we're always building. We're always being structured, restructured, moving a wall, re-expanding, doing this. In fact, Sue and I have lived in our home 22 years. And a few years ago, we decided to remodel our kitchen. And so there's this little, we had one of those galley kitchens. And maybe about as wide as this carpet right here, about eight feet wide. And we're in there and in this area. And so I looked at that space. And with all my knowledge and expertise, I drew up a little plan. And, and, and my plan kept us in that galley. I said, this is the space for the kitchen. And I figured out the budget. And then Sue said, we need a designer. I said, why? I have a plan. (laughs) But we need a designer to look at this. I said, you don't like my plan? I'm offended. (laughs) I figured out, and I'm going, there's only so much space here. What is she going to do? And so the designer comes in. I said, okay, go for it. I got this one. The designer comes in, stands there. Her husband's with her. She designed, he did the build. He's with her. He goes, I have never seen my wife stump for words. I said, I know, it's a dilemma, huh? A little narrow thing. What are you going to do? There's only so much space for, for cabinets. Only so, I mean, there's like three things you could do in there. <coughs> and then all of a sudden the designer says, I know. Let's move it out here. And so it went from here to the living room. I said, cool. Awesome. How much does out here cost? Could I get amen? And so it went from here to out here. And now the kitchen doesn't just take up the the little aisle. It takes up that and the living room. But if we'd have stayed with what I had, the designer had a better plan. The designer had a better plan. Jesus said, I am the designer. And usually when you and I, we've drawn up our own little plan. We thought about everything in serving the Lord and what we're going to do for the Lord. We've set our budget. We looked at it from every angle that we think. And then the Lord comes along and says, hey, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it from here and I'm going to move it out here. And it's going to be greater than anything you could have imagined. And I'm glad I yielded to the designer. After we got it paid off. Amen. But it was worth the... Are you listening to me this morning? So many times we get ourselves locked in and the Lord will come along and you have your own idea. This is how I'm going to live my life for the Lord. I'm going to make some improvement in my commitment to the Lord, in my service to the Lord. And the Lord says, hey, nice plan, but my design is to bring you into a larger place. My design is to more than you ever thought about beyond what you have ever been able to conceive. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man. All the things that God has prepared for you. Are you listening to me? And so God has a great plan for your life. So the church is in that progress. But the chief architect is always doing a walkthrough and making a punch list of improvements to prepare us for that day. The church is being added to daily, as I said already. But every new believer is raw material. Every person that gets saved in the church is a work in progress, is a potential tool, is a future craftsman, is a part of the plan, is a piece of the building. The church is a custom home. 
Listen to me this morning. Jesus said, I will build my church. Are you listening to me? I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Not your church. Not our idea of it. But his church is the place of victory. Could you say amen this morning? So think about it. There's, if it's not a spec house or a track home, there's only one model to choose from. And that is the one that he is building. Not four or five. But what do we have to do? You have to understand the process. On the site, you're going to run into raw material. We all have some of those places in us. Everybody look up here. You still got some rough edges, Bubba. Every one of us. We just have rough edges. We still need some sanding. We still need some chiseling. We still need some shaping, some cutting. We need to be trimmed in some areas. Hallelujah. See, on the site, you run into raw materials and pieces that don't fit yet. They still need some shaping and adjusting before they find their place. And it's amazing when we yield ourselves to the Lord and allow Him to fashion us and fit us into His plan for our lives. So the worship team comes back. On the job site, you're going to run into some rough edges. You're going to run into some rough edges. That's why the carpenter has callous hands. Because he's used to working with raw materials. He's become accustomed to it. He's been conditioned by it. So not to be easily hurt or wounded. He's become insensitive to the small abrasions on the job site. And is able to endure without becoming offended. He expects raw material to be pokey. See sometimes people get slivers in church. You rub up against some raw material. And you go oh man that person's a little pokey. That person gave me a sliver. And it's in there and I can't get it out. And now it's festering. And you're trying to get it out. You can't get it out. You just know that when you touch that area, it's, it's like on the most sensitive nerve in your body. You go, oh man. But if you just hold on and wait for a few days, that thing will fester up and you can just pinch it and pop that little demon right out of there. Or you can just get offended and cut your hand off because it has a sliver. But see, when people do that, what we do, we take a crowbar, we, we get a splinter, and we take a crowbar and we rip our two-by-four out of the structure. And we just go throw ourselves outside and we're just a lone two-by-four laying around, not connected to anything. Are we doing all right this morning? Hallelujah. And so, but he knows that there's going to be things there and he can work without being offended. He knows how to protect himself. You may have to use gloves, get a hard hat, safety glasses, especially in the nursery. Amen. But you're in the process. Hear me this morning. You will always be in the place of being worked on and being used. That's the truth. Whether it's individually in our lives or whether it's corporately together. Amen. The church is always being worked on. We're always going. And if we keep that in mind, then we can keep moving forward to what God has for our life. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says... Old things pass away and all things become new. And it's in the present progressive tense. What does that mean? Meaning it is in the now and ongoing in our life. Always in the now and all. God is always working. There's always something old that's passing away and always something new. The hard part is, is for us to get to the place where we allow the Lord to do the work. Especially the longer we've been saved. We've been a Christian a long time. We just like the condition that we're in. I like the condition I'm in. I used to. But, but, but that, you, there, there's more in you. 
There's more to be fashioned out of you. I love going. I, I, I love seeing things that were hand carved out of wood and, and dovetailed together. They don't have tools. How did they put that stuff together? You, you, you go back in, the, in, in, in Pennsylvania, when we go back there and visit Austin, we go to those Amish villages and stuff, and you see the, the blacksmith shop and, and, and the carpenter shop, and you go in there, you look where they made all this, and you look at the intricacy and the time, but that was all chiseled and formed. And you go, man, there was a master craftsman involved. Can I tell you, if you will allow him, Jesus is a master craftsman. And he will fashion you into something that is so glorious and so beautiful. And as a church body, if we just say, God, we're just your resources. We come together and we say, Lord, make us your log pile. God, just take us and begin to build out. Build out of us your church. Build the church you've designed. We can come up with great design. But if we'll let him, he'll be the, build the church he designed for El Dorado County. Can you say amen? Think about it. See, we need to learn to understand and enjoy and love the process. We must remember you can't define your own purpose or design it. It's His plan. We're just raw material, usable material, tools, craftsmen. We're the project. But the greatest part is, is we get to be the finished building. We get to be a part of the finished building. When the Lord comes back, amen. Every part of the building gets the same reward. Amen. Every believer is a member of the body. Every believer is a part of the bride. Every believer is the one that he's going to give his full affection to as our husband. Amen. We're going to be embraced in his love. See, the call of God always takes me to other people. Always takes you to others. That means I don't just get to stay in my pile. I don't just get to do that. It, it takes me someplace else and it puts me in His purpose. There's no satisfaction or fulfillment in receiving, only in giving. So we have to remember that I must sow first if I'm ever going to receive. That's why Jesus said in John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. It's no good to be raw material unless we allow Him to form and fashion us into the church that He is building. See, what you do at the beginning determines what you receive at the end. We need to understand that foundation is key. So what do we need to do? Dig deep, build well, because you're under construction. Amen? For our church, we think, well, what do we do? In this season of exodus, we have that same thing happen. It is reconstruction. God is uprooting us from what we've done and in this place. And He wants to lead us. It's going to go through reconstruction. It's going to create a lot of things. Say, Pastor, what, what's so significant about this message? Because on a construction site, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And if you don't understand, we're under construction. And, and, and it's reconstruction, reshaping, remolding everything. But the purpose God does is always to expand, always to grow, always to increase. Amen? And God's not satisfied to leave any wood in the wood pile. The Lord's not coming back for a log pile. He's coming back for a finished project. Amen? And He wants every piece reconstructed. 